Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christianity with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm your host, Peter Tragos, and with me as always, Pastor Aaron Curran, and we have some very familiar faces today. With the best, we have the two best nicknames of the podcast so far. We do. Oh, that is true. We do. We have, we have my prophet on the podcast today. That'd be Peter. He's always calling out how jacked up I am. And we got my priest, Deshaun, it's comfort to my soul. And we got my Pope, Adam Powers. Oh, so, nice. Yes. I didn't know where that what was going. Okay. That's What's great. Wrong with you? That's great. All right. No, we got superpowers back uh, for season two on the podcast. And uh, welcome, man. He's good to be here. I will say, always. for those who are listening, which yes. I know that's most of you. Look at the picture is, that's going to come out soon. He's the only one that has a Protestant shirt on, a Protestant mug, and a Bible that he brought with him. So... Well, uh, I have a Bible and thousands of other books and, on, on and, uh, and yes. else. Okay. On my, yes, we all do. Me and Deshaun well. do as well. Um, I just live he in has the a physical 21st century. Paper co- anyway, thanks true, for being true. on, Adam. It's good to be here, man. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Awesome. And we have Boogie back. They're doing so we good. Got Super doing and Boogie. Boogie. Yes, Boogie. Yeah, Boogie. That's right. Boogie, Boogie Cousins. Curious. You know, okay. so, basketball. I was, I was thinking something else. but I'm You wouldn't know. It's, it's a sports I'm thing. You wouldn't get it. So we got them on today to talk about an interesting topic. And we're here in our new digs. Shout out to Jeff for setting up such a great right. setup, um, all except for the chairs, which we'll put on Aaron. So today we're talking about a topic that we got asked a lot after and during season one. It seems to be a common question in Protestantism and Christianity hmm. as a whole because the Catholic, the Catholic Church is such an overarching theme to Christianity, and it used to be just the Catholic Church, right? And so as it's morphed and changed and things happen— when we get to modern day today, now people are asking, are Catholics even Christians? So we're going to talk about that today and what we think and what definitions of Catholicism are, what they believe, what they maybe used to believe, as Aaron's going to say. Right. And as we jump into it, the overarching question is going to be, are they our brothers and sisters in Christ? Are they part of the universal church? And are they all Christians? Will we see them all in heaven? And obviously when we say all, we don't mean all because all Protestants aren't going to be in, in heaven. All either. rarely means all. Right. Many who say hmm. to me, Lord, Lord. Right. So how Lord, do you Lord. start this conversation, Adam, if somebody asks oh, you, are Catholics Christians? How do you start it? What goes through your head first? Well, exactly what you just said, I think, is the best place to start. Let's, let's define our term. Not only let's define Catholic, but let's define Christian. Okay. Because usually what people have an understanding with at that question, and even perhaps that, that question might just be a surface level issue there's reasons why they're asking the question. They they might have a history in it in Catholicism. They might have family members in it. So there's always reasons beneath the question that give rise to the question. And so if we're not talking about the same things, even though we're using the same words, we're not really talking to each other, or I would not be answering the question that was asked. So that's how I would begin something like that. Like, okay, let's define our terms what are we talking about? And this would not be a question I would deal with in the comments on a Facebook post. 
or something oh, like that. <laughs> this this needs Aaron to be an, awesome. an in-person conversation or at like a book length treatment because there is so much that goes into this. Hmm. So so as we start, Aaron, why don't you define what a Christian is? Okay. Hmm. So I I'll just let the cat out of the bag right from the jump. I think only Catholics are Christians in the truest sense of the word. And so Casey. Here we go. Okay, yep. so there's when, when we talk. <laughs> Way to confuse everybody right off the jump. I said, I said, I'm gonna let him out, and then I'll explain a little bit. Um, so right away, even when somebody sees the podcast title of this episode, there can be a rather visceral reaction to it. Like, how dare you? And this is, like Peter said, something that we've gotten a lot. We've we've been asked specifically to address on the podcast, and we've gotten just from people in the church, and they want to know legitimately. And for me, it, it, for all of us, whether we're listening, watching, discussing today, it doesn't really matter what any of us believe about the subject. It matters what Scripture says and does yep. someone align with Scripture. And we, when we define Christianity and even Catholicism as it's supposed to be understood, we allow the Scripture to define that for us. And so Christianity truly is someone who has placed their faith in Christ for salvation. Now, Yes, I would. I believe they've placed their faith only in Christ, only for only salvation. Is keywords, yes, yeah. c- keywords that we'll get into. And as the church historically understood it, mm. all those who placed true, genuine, saving faith in Christ alone for salvation were part of the universal, or just another word for that was Catholic yeah. Church. And so, I think you you mentioned it before the podcast day, but Calvin said that the Protestants of his day and moving forward are the true Catholics on earth because they've held to the true inspired word of God. Lowercase c. Yes. Uppercase c is Roman Catholicism. Yeah. Calvin would use it as a lowercase, just as a synonym for universal, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think we've, we've confused people. What you mean is originally (laughs) Christianity was, it was synonymous with Catholicism. Yeah. Up until 1054, there was only one church. Right. Yeah. Okay. Before the schism that that separated the East from the West, um, where the Archbishop said the Pope was heretical, and the Pope said the Archbishop of Canterbury they excommunicated, or, um, they excommunicated uh, each Carth- other. Uh, Carthage, Constantinople was anyway. Hmm. Re- regardless, there was one church, and it was the Catholic Church. Now, when we think of Catholic today, we think of the Pope, we think right. of the Vatican. But up up until 1054, it's one Catholic Church. That's why all the creeds they freak out Protestants, right? Especially if you're newer to Protestantism mm-hmm. or you're kind of a recovering Lutheran or Catholic. When it says one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, that's actually a phrase that Augustine termed in the fourth century to help people understand what the authority of the church, which is not a bad thing. That's a very important thing. That the church really, in in a sense, and we can unpack this, we want to determines who Christians are, or at least affirms who Christians are, I guess is the, is the right way of saying that, um, as part of the church un- universal. And also this idea of Catholic is that it's not just my church or Adam's church or the church here in this generation. It's the church sweeping across the globe from generation to generation, all true followers of Christ. That's the true definition of the word Catholic. It's just when the split came in 1054 and then later in the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church took up that word Catholic to designate them. But And we took Protestant because we're protesting um, that which we believe is not true. Uh, but the word Catholic in its truest sense, and I would actually flip it for what Adam said. Hmm. I would say big C Catholics are true Christians and the Roman Catholic Church is small C. 
in the sense of it's not tr- it's not true it's not true Christianity. <laughs> All right. Whatever. So let's try to let's try to focus this in. Right, so, we can boil it down. So as we go throughout today's discussion, Aaron, are you going to basically just say there are Catholic churches that look like ours and Baptist churches and Protestant churches, and they're all considered Catholics, and that's what you think of when you think of Catholics? Because I don't think that's true. No, no, I don't okay. think that's what I think. Right. But I, I you think, think of the big church with the beautiful gold stuff, like the Greek church, like Greek Orthodox church, like it looks like that. Unfortunately, church and those buildings. Love yes. like that. Yeah. What? Yes. Those buildings are beautiful. Yes, but that's what you think of, right? Yes. Okay, so that's kind of the the thought process we're in, and I think the people that asked us, and I know. A lot of the people that asked me were thinking of their friends and family that go to that church that do the Hail Marys and the confessions and believe what the Pope says and, and all mm-hmm. this. That, that's what we're more talking about with Catholics, just to focus in the the episode a little bit, because I think we will all agree at this table. Adam may disagree, so you can tell me. There are people in all denominations that are Christians and are, right? True. Kind of said that at the so top. Good. So we're not going to get into all of them are Christians going to heaven or all of them are going to hell. We're not, we're not going to say that because we don't know anybody's heart, right? But let's talk about some of the major differences, Deshaun, looking at you now. I got Between you. the Catholic Church, what, what are we saying? Big C, small C? You know what I mean. Roman when Catholic I say the Catholic Church, Church, Roman, yeah, Roman, Roman Catholics Catholic Church versus Protestants. Yeah. Oh, man. So <laughs> there's, there's plenty of them. So starting Why off, why don't you pick one? Let's pick one and pick kind one? of talk about it right, for a little bit. Which one do I want to talk about? The for most a little important bit. one. Yeah, you get the first I'm, draft pick. Make it a good one. Uh, no, no. So you know what? I guess we'll start off with. Yeah, we'll start off with faith alone. Okay. So that would be the in, biggest one, probably. Yeah, and justification, I, I knew that would make Adam happy too. So, but um, in there are differences on that. Of, so faith alone is yes, the difference yeah. that you're talking about. Yes. Okay. So, it so is Protestants a, believe in faith alone, Christ alone. So our Faith in Christ alone is by way that we are saved and we're justified. But for Catholics, which mixes in some more of their other things, is that it's not by faith alone. So even baptism is where original sin is washed away. And so in that, they now have grace. And even though that's from a sense from God, but it's still not by faith alone that they're saved. And so in that major difference for us, that is in such a way of merit, meriting their salvation. And so for us as Protestants, it is only in Christ's work that we are saved and it is only by his work that we are justified. And so that major difference is one that I find even when I get to talk to some of my teens where they're like, well, they're talking about Jesus or they have similar things like the Lord's Supper or baptism. And it's really coming down to does doctrine even really matter? Um, because it's like, as long as I can say the name Jesus or say similar words, What's the big problem? And I think that's the the real issue for people is as long as it looks the same, what's the real problem? So, Superpowers, I think you've got some thoughts on this, right? Yeah, it, maybe just a helpful, you know, charitable comment right on with, with what you're saying. But we should be careful, I think, to say that Protestants believe in faith alone, that we're saved by faith alone and Christ alone, and Catholics don't believe in faith at all. Their official doctrinal statements do have a part with faith yeah. in it. But the key word here that we're all talking about is alone. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we start saying we're saved by faith alone, apart from works, uh, that's where we have a huge divergence yep. with Roman Catholicism. That was the root of a lot of the Protestant martyrs, the word alone. If they would have sacrificed the word alone, they, they would have kept their lives, mm-hmm. but they didn't. And we now have Protestant churches. So what is the plus? Faith plus what? Faith plus works, plus baptism, plus confession, plus all the other rigmarole that they make you go through in Roman Catholicism. I think, I think something helpful for our listeners would be the way classic 
Latin Catholicism, Roman Catholicism has taught it is. Faith, very critical. Like you said, it's in all their catechisms. And so it, it, it's very egregious to say that Catholics don't believe in that, uh, don't, don't believe that faith is necessary. But it's faith plus works and all these things mm-hmm. fit into that. And that's bucket. what Deshaun said. Equal, he said yeah, faith yeah, alone. Equal right. justification. Whereas the Protestant view, and we would argue the biblical view, is faith equals justification plus works. Like that's that's the, that's, that's the it. difference. The equation. So, so yes, the equation is not faith plus works equals justification. Is faith, Romans three twenty four, mm. equals justification plus works. Meaning, once you're justified, you will have the you works, will have works. according to James. Yes. Right. So yeah. So and I think that all of us would agree with that. So the yeah. question at the end of this first difference is. Is this a different, this is kind of, this is it. We're going we're gonna to hit the punchline right here. So is this a difference that creates a salvific difference and a, are they our brothers and sisters in Christ if they believe this difference? In yes. Faith I'll say plus. yes. I would say it is one. I yes. Think that's, yes. Aaron? Yeah. It's muddied for me. <laughs> yeah. okay. all right. I, I would say Paul Differ, he would say in all of Galatians, he's going at the Judaizers for adding something on top of salvation. So they're saying Christ is not sufficient, but rather, yes, you can believe and have faith, but you also need to do these other things. And so that's basically Paul's argument in the book of Galatians is going at that very concept of adding anything to Christ. So mm. I would say uh, Paul's clear in, in Galatians on it. That'd be my stance on it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Same, 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 uh, same-sies? Same. same okay. So I think you can be wrong. Okay. I think you can, See, that's I, what I was kind of going to no, say no, too. I, I, think, yeah. I think you can be wrong. I was going to ask, yeah. I should say. Doctrinally, clearly we are. So, okay, yeah. so not not trying to snipe anybody, but I would believe, and I love them. We're going to have some on the podcast this season, but some of my Arminian brothers are just dead wrong when it comes to the most important aspect of our faith, and that is salvation. Because I would argue that there is, and and, and I'm pointing at Adam, not because he's Arminian, but because we have, we have a little Far bit of a disagreement from. on this, <laughs> but there is an added element, at least in the Arminian churches I grew up in, of works, meritorious salvation. There's a moral salvation that accompanies, and that is, in essence, what the Roman Catholicism is teaching. And so, okay, we talked about Luther before the episode. You know, Luther's an enigma because supposedly in his earlier ministry, he tears James out of his Bible because it's teaching a salvation of works later according on, to him. Later on, he brought it back. Yeah, later on, he yeah. brought it back. But then Staple at the same the time, in his, in his shorter catechism, he affirms that baptism is necessary yeah. as a necessary instrumental yeah. cause. And that's, that's really what we're talking about here is what is the all Catholics, Protestants, we all believe that Christ is the grounding cause of our salvation. Like we look to Christ. I understand some Catholics might throw more into that. But when we talk about the instrumental cause, what actually brings us to Christ and unites us, Protestantism um, from, and this is important, and this is why I kind of started the episode the way I did. It's not just from Luther and Calvin and and Tyndale and and Wycliffe. What what they were doing is they were not inventing. That's the argument you'll hear from some Roman Catholics and some scholars, even some priests, whatever, is we have the ancient faith and your faith is only 500 years old. Um, what you are the, the new offshoot. Yes, we're the new All offshoot of that. Kind of like Orthodox um, was, the Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, whatever was in the in the 11th century. But that's not true. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we're going all the way back to Augustine, who was a brilliant Catholic, um, who I believe is in heaven, even though he was off on some things theologically. Mm-hmm. I would believe he was off. I know that's who cares what I think when it compares oh, yeah. to Augustine. Very but I think he was fact. very much off on some things if you read that biblically. Um I think there has been the same revelation throughout time, but it has been unpacked and discoursed through councils and through 
uh, confessions over the course. So, so Christians today have a better understanding. We have more illumination with the same revelation of scripture, but more illumination. We've unpacked things. We have commentaries and scholars that have cut things up. And so we, we do have benefits that Augustine did not have in the fourth mm -hmm. century. Certainly. But yep. Augustine really brought forward this, after, after centuries of persecution, he brought forward this idea of justification by faith in Christ, the idea of God's electing grace of sinners. And so we follow in the Augustinian, which Ironically, Luther was an Augustinian monk. Like we follow in the tradition of Augustine um, when we come to this. And so the Reformation did not introduce a new version of Christianity. Instead, it revived the old version of Christianity. It was not a discovery. It was a recovery. Yes, exactly. Which then means what you're saying, that the Roman Catholic Church, according to the Reformers, was the variant branch, the new offshoot. And they were making the argument, we're the true Catholics. Yes. And so right. here, here's, here's what I would say. If we were to have Luther sit at this table today and Augustine, it would be very easy to condemn them as heretical. Yeah, they would probably make us look stupid. Though. They, they would make <laughs> us, well, well, Luther would because he'd be in German and he'd be swearing at us every other word. But, uh, but, but if we had them here because of some of their beliefs about Mary, about it. transubstantiation, right. about whatever it might yeah. be. As they would do with us. Yes, exactly. And they would they would probably look at us and say, no, you've gone too far. You've, you know, they're the probably- church in the U.S. Those tattoos. This, 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 yeah, this. No, but- Luther would like the tattoos. When we talk about this stuff and we get to works, especially, especially good works, right? Because this is a conversation I had with my parents about how mm -hmm. they know some Catholics that are so devout, do all these good works, not necessarily in the name of Jesus, but because they think they need to or they have to, to be a good person to get to heaven, Right. So if you believe in the relationship plus works, don't you think, Adam, that you could still get to heaven missing that point, doing works for the wrong reasons if you still have the relationship with Christ? Do you think that you are going to heaven or not? Do you think you've missed it because you think you need to do more even though Jesus has done it all? I, no. I think that- um, No, meaning you think you're out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, there, sure, there can be error. And yeah. which, I mean, if we're all honest- I don't think I'm wrong sure. about much of anything, uh, but I know that I'm wrong somewhere because I'm a fallible man. I'm a fallible thinker, yeah, you theologian, and pastor. And <laughs> right. And so, one example. So I think you guys are all wrong. You're all wrong on that. But anyway, uh, you're the variant offshoot. I'll say that. But anyway, uh, it 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 comes down to the level. What are you banking on? In the end, are you banking on Christ alone? And if that's not the case, you're not in heaven. If there's any part of your works yeah. you're banking on, that's the Galatian heresy that Paul calls out. If an angel from heaven tells you this is true, let him be accursed. And so uh, if a pope on a gigantic seat with a big pointy hat and all the pomp and circumstance tell you this is true, let him be accursed. And so we've got to stand for Christ alone. For your question of, all right, is this going to make him to heaven or not? Is I think there's a difference between doubt and misunderstanding and outright denial. And so okay. with a lot of the Catholic like doctrine, it. it is a denial of what scripture right. teaches versus somebody who's new to the faith that's ignorant may, may not understand um, those different kinds of things like that. And so there's a difference between uh, those two. The, when the it th thief on the cross is such a prime example. Yeah. He, he didn't have much any of his doctrine, no. but it was from ignorance, mm -hmm. not from an outright rejection of, yeah, 
of and, truth. And, yeah. and, and, the, and that's, and I think that's the biggest thing is that's when huge. somebody comes into and recognizes scripture and says, I see this in scripture and people do this all the time where it's, that's not my God, or I don't believe that about God, or why would God do that? That's not my God kind of mindset. And so I see the difference between those two. And so if anybody's denying what scripture teaches, as we've been talking about, especially go to Galatians and spend time there, you'll see Paul is over and over and over again, reiterating to them, it is only in Christ that we can be saved. So that's a really um, important point. And I'm going to step on my, my Jeff Singer segment of fact or fiction to bring huh? in the first question, because yes. I've heard this a lot. I, I want to know if it's true because I think it may come down to maybe ignorance, but is it willful ignorance or is it just part of Catholicism that they mm. create this ignorance in that they are basically told not to read their Bibles and just listen to what the priest or Pope says and tells them the Bible says and interprets the Bible for them. They don't do it on their own. They don't even try to get over that that ignorance, which would then be willful ignorance, which would be rejecting that you need to learn and study the scriptures. Is that true? Is that something that happens in Catholic churches? And do you think that's problematic? Or do you think that makes them more like the thief on the cross? When Protestant churches, pastors don't even have to tell their congregants not to read the Bible. They just don't do it a lot of times. And so if we're just being truthful. But you tell them to. Yeah. Part of Protestantism is to read and study the Bible and know it and memorize scripture. That the sermon should be an example. This is how you handle scripture in your own life. Right. What I I want to be careful of is, is while the Vatican might act like they represent all Catholics everywhere across the world, they, since 1965, at least, they don't actually. There is a different brand, and this is according to many of the resources from Ligonier that you can read after a lot of what R.C. Sproul, the study he did. Um, There is a different brand of Western Catholicism since the 1960s that has come um, since the Second Vatican uh, Council in comparison to Latin or old Orthodox Catholicism. And so in answer to your question, most likely, I don't know, I am haven't run in the Roman Catholic circles, but from everything I've read and researched, that, that Catholic, as we understand it across most of the world, outside of the Western world, that old Latin Catholicism that was very prevalent in, in past generations uh, and still is today in the Eastern world, they would recommend many of them don't read your Bible, mm-hmm. like trust the priest. You need to come mm-hmm. to the priest for confession. A lot of Western Catholicism, Sproul argues, has become much more Protestant. They might not be fully where we are. And that's where I would say G.K. Chesterton was. He was, he was, I, I believe, I could be wrong, but like like good, solid Catholic scholars and theologians who have wrestled with these things and struggle with Romans 3 versus James 2 and understanding the correlation of faith and works. We could put Aquinas there too. Yes, Thomas absolutely. Aquinas. Yeah, absolutely. I, Great I, football team. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, and I know I know you're wanting to like factor fitch in this thing. But I knew you weren't going to give me one. So. Man, look, man. We can move look, on to the next version. I think there is a critical, critical component that we've missed here. And I do want to answer hmm. the question. Look, first of all, do I think a lot of Armenians are going to heaven? Absolutely. But do I think a lot of Roman Catholics are going to heaven? I would lean toward that if they're if they're if they're trusting in Christ alone or struggling to trust in but Christ alone. Hold on, alone, before you give the answer, let's go through it step okay, by step I, because okay. we're saying if this is part of Catholicism and this is the religion that you practice, then maybe they just would or would not fall into the bucket you're saying of the definition of being a yes, Christian. Yes, the reason I'm saying this is because we mentioned justification by faith, but we have not talked about imputation, which is really mm-hmm. the the entirety of the issue here of what justification does or um, are we infused with righteousness, which the Roman Catholic Church historically has taught. At or baptism. Are, yeah, or are we accredited with or imputed yeah. with righteousness, which is what 2 Corinthians 5.21 teaches and Romans 3.24-26. And so... 
Um, and that's where Luther's big distinction was. The Latin, yeah. which was the, the scholastic reading of the Reformation, um, had that word justificare in there that talked, it literally Do meant penance. to be made righteous, yeah. like to, to become righteous. And so the church understood it that when I become a Christian, I'm becoming righteous. And so until I become righteous, it's kind of like standing at um, an altar with your bride and saying, hey, if you love me and you serve me and you honor me and you're faithful to me, at the end of our lives, you can be my wife. Like that's kind of the, if I'm trying, I'm trying to be fair, but that's yeah. the understanding of infused righteousness. If I become righteous enough through all these means, including faith, then I can be a Christian. Mm -hmm. The the Protestant, and I would argue the biblical understanding is that I trust in Christ, bringing all my jacked up and stable, still practically sinful. Declared and I to am be declared, what we are. Not. My bank account is filled up with righteousness and alien righteousness, as Luther would say, that is ours. And that is really the crux of the issue. When I when I so for me, when I look at Arminians, Roman Catholics, and many Calvinistic thinkers, if I'm honest, we live, I, at least I do, I struggle every day with this, this battle of truly, I would never confess with my mouth. So if, if just what I say is important, then, then whatever. But I struggle in my soul with believing I have to do something. Sure. Okay? But so, there's so a that's difference, our true belief, though. But there's a difference with knowing that it's wrong. Yeah. And then thinking it's confirmed that that's right and that's what you have to do. And if you don't do it, you're going to hell. And then teaching like, it. As you, you would say it, there's right. a difference. I, I, do, I do agree there's a difference for sure. And I think that's one of the reasons Paul comes down so hard in Galatians 1 against a false gospel because it leads so many astray. And I think the Roman Catholic Church has done that. The West or the, uh, the Latin Roman Catholic Church especially has done that throughout the centuries. However, I do think there are people, priests, and bishops and Roman Catholics who have believed in some semblance of a meritorious salvation, and they were wrong for believing that, and yet grace still by faith in Christ covered. That's that's my belief. I disagree. Mm. Okay, mm. so let's. I guess we'll go ahead and get into that disagreement <laughs> as quickly as you can. Hmm. Um, and then you said fact. You think they're told not to read the Bible? It it is a fact in the okay. Reformation. If it's still a fact today, I'm not sure. Okay, definitely that's true. The, Re the Reformation, mm -hmm. okay. for sure. All right, Deshaun? No, same thing. Same? Okay. Yeah. All right. So do you want to get into your disagreement now with Matter his fact, statement? they weren't even just not told that you should be put to death Wasn't for reading which, the Bible yeah. during the Reformation. And I mean, right. I think that you start yeah. with something like that. It's probably going to be a long, slow road to get to everybody read and memorize the Bible on your own yeah. and try to make your own interpretation of the Bible and what you think and have your own relationship and learn what God is saying to you. Like, probably a long road to you're going to be put to death for doing this and then openly everybody's doing it. There and was it's a, being encouraged. There was a lot that went demanded, into the, really. the Counter-Reformation all mm. the way up to Trent and after that that tried to course well, let's, correct. Let's, hold on. Let's, let's yeah. define this. So yeah. the Reformation happened that was coming for some time. Those Some even within Rome and many reformers outside Definitely. wanted the church to change. They saw the abuse. So the Reformation happened eventually. Almost every reformer was part of the church. They right. weren't on the inside. Right. Right. Like they, they weren't some rogue. They, they were inside. But so. then in 1545, Rome responded with what is now called the Counter-Reformation. So they had their own council in the city of Trent, and it took 13 years for this council to happen because the bubonic plague kept messing up their sessions and people were afraid to gather together. How appropriate for our yep. seasons these mm -hmm. days. But at the at the end of it, right, the Council of Trent declared in many places, especially uh, Canon 6 of their declarations, that any who say you are justified by faith alone, let him be anathema. Mm -hmm. So 
our question, if you flip it around, Roman Catholics do not believe, according to their own documents, that Protestants are truly Christians. According to 1545, yes. That's reaffirmed in 1992 by Pope Benedict in the Catholic um, Statement of Faith, which has not been amended to this day. Okay. Yeah. So in 1965, there's a second Vatican Council, because the first one was like in the 1870s, and they said the same thing, that Protestants Mm. are all heretics. They were were very strong against this. But in 1965, the second Vatican Council, they made the statement that um, Protestants were wayward brothers. Like they yeah, were, they were wayward brother, yeah. brothers. They mm-hmm. were outside of, and so they softened their position. My my whole point is the Catholic Church, just like the Protestant Church, struggles to agree. Although we want to present this front of unity, just like the Roman Catholic Church does, there is a struggle to agree on a lot of these things. But is there something in this past 1965 Catholic Church that tells us that now they are getting it right? I guess is my question. 1992. Well, their, you're saying the opposite. Their yeah. statement of faith that is the was. Same. Uh, Joseph Carl Ratzinger was the author of it, who then later became known as Pope Benedict, the theologian who wrote and reaffirmed Trent in 1992, which created, though Vatican II happened and the wayward brother idea was around, which I think categorized more the culture of the 60s mm. than doctrine, which we're all we're all yes, people of our own right, times. Yeah. So Benedict wrote a hard line in the sand, drew, drew a hard line in the sand. But then Francis, who's now liberal, is now creating a whole other ruckus in Rome. And now there's this factions in Rome with the people who were Benedict and are still in that conservative vein. And then the liberal ones with Francis. And now there's even talk that there might be a split between them. Hmm. So I would just hate for... And I get it, some, some Roman Catholics like this, but I would just hate for one person, and I know that's what they've done with the Pope, I get mm-hmm. it, and, and that's why some of the Western brand has kind of, and maybe not disavowed the Pope, but like they don't see him as this supreme inspired leader as much, because I would hate for one person to write a document that defines Protestantism, and then for everyone to assume that I adhere yep. to that document. So I'm not denying what happened in 1992 for and sure. what has happened since then. But I do believe that there are many Catholics. I know that there are many priests and even bishops who would disavow certain aspects of mm-hmm. um, of a meritorious salvation, and they would say it is by that Luther was right, like because Luther was a Catholic to his dying day, but believing in justification by faith alone in Christ alone. He would you Luther? say there? He was not Lutheran. Lutheranism <laughs> came along later on. That was that a Jeffrey Singer with, comment right there. <laughs> okay, so so well said. We're we're talking a lot about some intertwining um, aspects of it. So what, one of the questions I have, and Deshaun, I'll ask you: Do you think that if you're disavowing the Pope and a lot of the statement of faith that Adam's talking about, and and the traditions of Catholicism, are you still a Catholic? Like, does, are those people still Catholics at that point? Hmm. So, big, gonna, big Roman Catholic. So I'm gonna answer big your question. I'm letting you know ahead of time. I'm gonna answer in a roundabout way because okay. I think there's some other things I want to pull into into this. That seems um, to be the theme of this. <laughs> so I'm gonna answer in a roundabout, sure. and I want to pull in a couple more things. So my past and my history, especially a lot of the people who I grew up around, um, came from more of not just Pentecostal, but more of like Word of Faith and more kind of more heretical brands of Christianity. And so my overall kind of summation of that, including those two, is. That, yes, there can be believers in these institutions, even though they don't agree or they maybe the Lord saved them out of that, however that may be. 
but it's still best for them not to be within those things. So if you are within a Catholic tradition and you know this is the doctrine of the church or you're in a word of faith, I'll even say some names like Joel Osteen or Paula White or any of those churches that, yes, because the and probably not with Osteen, but with others, you may have the Bible open, even in those things where. The Bible can be around. Pretty it does sure not Paul mean. mentioned Osteen by name That's in Galatians exactly. 1. So, <laughs> so my, my thing is that, yes, there <laughs> can soul. be, but it doesn't mean it's good to be there because right. of the teaching of the church the same way if mm. any so church saying is saying it's teaching. a different question. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Not, not like Aaron likes to say, not are you going to hell, but is it wise? So I, I have much church? more respect for the Puritans than I do for the separatists. And I'm serious. I, I'm pushing back here because I believe that there is something to be said for staying in, especially uh-huh. as an entire local church that has disavowed the teachings of I, Rome. I get what you mean. And, but, but and wanting to reform the church from the inside. Not like Luther, wanting to start a new denomination, but wanting to change Wanting Rome. to change right. and right. see this, see the true tr- right. recovery. That's what the reformers did. Like they wanted to recover what had been lost oh, and they pleaded with the church. And so for me... I would not necessarily – now, if you're the only one in a church that is heretical and and teaching a justification, then, yeah, it's probably time to leave. But if you're part of a local Catholic church that where your priest has disavowed the teachings of Rome and you are working to reform that regionally, locally, maybe nationally, whatever it is – I, I don't necessarily see an issue so with that. Would you say the same for like a word of faith or any of those kind of churches? I personally believe that word of faith is far more heretical than the Western version of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, and just to back up, so when you say Puritans versus separatists, you just mean purifying from the, the inside Puritan as opposed stayed, to separating from the church. Yes. Right. So I the just sep- want to make sure everybody's following what Puritans we're talking about. who left after the act of uniformity and became Puritan there separatists. Com- there comes a time. <laughs> like like after an affirmation. There, of there, comes a, there comes a time, <laughs> there does come a time where the where the battle is lost yeah, and true. Protestantism is born. Which is hard yeah. to see. People will define that line differently. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. let's keep it moving because we've gotten to through one difference. So, uh, so Adam, <laughs> number two, give you the second draft pick. Give us another difference between Protestantism and Catholicism. Scripture. That was the next one, yep. The importance of Scripture. So if you look at the documents themselves alone that – you know, the doctrinal statements of Rome, you will not find much difference on the nature of Scripture. Inerrancy will be there. Inspiration will be there. Infallibility will also be there. The big three eyes, they will all be affirmed. But in practice, there's a large disparity between what they say they believe about the Bible and how they actually use the Bible. And so the, the big difference with Roman Catholicism and Protestants in in regards to scripture is Protestants scripture alone is our authority. Rome will say, sure, scripture can be authoritative, but tradition is also authority. And they want to, their, their documents officially say that they're held equally. In practice, how it actually comes about is Tradition is standing on top of scripture, and it's the lens through which scripture is interpreted. Mm -hmm. And so technically, that means tradition is elevated higher than scripture, in their opinion, which is why you get the doctrine of the Pope, 
the doctrine of Mary, the doctrine of purgatory, limbo, and all these other things that you won't find in the Bible, but you will find in all their tradition documents, meaning the canonization of all the saints of history. So their writings have become traditional documents through which they interpret scripture. And I think a better way to ask my summary question is instead of, is this something that's difference maker that makes Catholics not Christians? Instead, just to say, if you believe that that is true, does that make you not a Christian? If you believe that difference, that it's scripture plus tradition, tradition elevated over scripture, these things that are not biblical, that you believe in and live your entire life dedicated to, is that something that is deal breaking? So this this might be surprising to you, but I would say no. Okay, I would say no. I think we've we we've already hit the big issue that breaks the breaks the unity and separates us. This one, though, it's incredibly important. I do not think a correct doctrine of scripture gets you into heaven or bars you from heaven. So if I can uh, add something, uh, a lot of a lot of people who have studied the Reformation a little bit think that the five solas were written out, these five only statements yeah, in Latin right. were written out at one point in time. They weren't. They, yeah. It was over the course of time. Mm-hmm. And historically, and you might disagree, but I've come to understand sola scriptura as actually being prima scriptura, that the church does hold authority. It's subservient to scripture, but the yeah, church, the elders happen. in the church do hold authority. Yeah. Tradition has its proper place for us. And so we're not as presence denying any of that stuff. Right. We're we, saying we wanna, it is subservient underneath. We want right? authority from scripture. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. So That's it. But I think equally as big an issue with that is the canonization of scripture. Um, hmm. there, there are apocryphal books that yeah. the, the Roman Catholic That's Church includes, which might not seem like a big deal, in, other than that they teach they actually proliferate some of this false doctrine yeah. that Roman Catholicism. And so by including those apocryphal, those intertestamental books, which the Protestants have not obviously included. Like Maccabees, Baruch, yes, yes, exactly. Tobit, things like this. Exactly, yes. Um, that's problematic. And it's for a much. totally different podcast to talk about canonization. But that's also something very important because a lot of beliefs have been drawn from those intertestamental books. Good call. Yeah, yeah. Good so call. I, Adam brought up like three or four other points I want to jump into first, Deshaun. And let's we can we can do another fact or fiction question. Do Catholics <laughs> pray to Mary and believe that she is sinless, always a virgin, never had another child, the queen of heaven? Do they believe those things about Mary? Yes. I think that's a fact. Yep. Fact. Which Catholics are we talking about? <laughs> oh my god! We did this in the beginning. That was my point of doing this in the beginning. We're going to be talking about Roman Catholics. Like that's that was the whole point. Oh man! Okay. Which, which Roman Catholics are we talking okay. about? All right. So, question then being, is that problematic and why? Uh, it definitely is. Um, because kind of like Adam was getting that. Essentially, Mary just becomes co-savior with Christ because she can give grace. She can implore on our behalf, all these different things. She becomes co-savior. And even it's against what scripture even teaches that she wasn't a perpetual virgin. And as we can see, and then also that she wasn't born sinless. There's nothing in those kind of things like that. And so just off basis, it's completely wrong. She actually calls Jesus in the Magnificate her savior. My soul rejoices in my savior. And so it's clear that she's not the crow redeemer. She's not the savior. Yeah. And in Mary, did you know it? <laughs> oh, she knew. She knew. She knew. Oh my God. Oh, okay. Man. Okay. What's so, wrong with you? So, so I have a question. 
How did they get there? How did they get there with Mary? Just teach me. Give me a history lesson oh, here. Like, how how did they get here with Mary? Tradition. Just again, going back to because of how they feel about their mothers so I, or what? I think, like, it's, how, I think it's I think it's really important, really important to take a couple so of seconds here and and review a tiny bit of the history. And I don't want to like snooze fest anybody. Yeah, let's get like but, two minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, two, two minute recap. Um, the church was born in the midst of persecution in the first century and endured that for almost three centuries up until three thirteen with with Constantine and. Battle of Milvian Bridge and Christianity becoming legalized. I mean, severe persecution at times, not always, but severe. And so there wasn't, during those first three centuries, a lot of scholasticism that rose out, a lot of defense of the faith. It was kind of survival, loving one another, believing yeah. in Christ. Um, and so it wasn't until after Constantine, you get all these creeds and councils, uh, Nicene Creed, the defense of the deity of Christ, and the Nicene-Constantinople Creed. And so on, but that only lasted for about 150 years until 476 when Rome fell. And when Rome fell, people don't realize how big this was for Christianity, that over the course of the next thousand years, it really, the fall of Rome ushered in what has become known as the Dark Ages. And it was a time where that's when scripture became outlawed for the commoner. Mm -hmm. um, at first, you couldn't print it or there wasn't the printing press then, but you couldn't, you couldn't reproduce it. You couldn't read it. And then it became an offense. You could be imprisoned or put to death for that. And we see people being burned at stake with their Bibles around their necks for that type of thing. And so you see this for a thousand years and a lot goes on in the course of that thousand years. But beginning really about the 10th or 11th century, there's these winds of reformation where people are going, something's wrong here. Like we have mm -hmm. departed from this. And part of that depart departure was... Um, it wasn't until the Dark Ages that this idea of Mary began to surface, uh, especially as co-redeemer, um, the Immaculate Conception, which is not mm -hmm. the virgin birth of Christ. It's actually the virgin birth of Mary is the yeah. Immaculate Conception. Um, the idea of the papacy and and so even though they would trace it back to Peter, but a lot of these a lot of these erroneous heretical thoughts came out during that Dark Ages when the church and even many Catholic scholars would admit this was very power hungry, very greedy, mm -hmm. um, and and began to sell indulgences in the late 11th century to guarantee salvation. Anyway, a lot of these, these things came out. I mean, the indulgences really surfaced as, as a way of reuniting the Orthodox Church to the Catholic Church. It was a way of doing this and and promulgating the Crusades and helping that mm. succeed. And it's so, called uh, the Dark Ages for a reason. Yeah, there was, yep. yeah exactly. <laughs> a lot of savagery, a lot of barbarism, very, very little scholasticism again. So anyway, my whole point is many of the things that are taught were not necessarily found in Scripture. It was, it was, it began to be taught as part of tradition to control, um, to to influence people toward a certain thing. So and, you, and, you mentioned it's heretical, yeah. so you believe it's heretical and just not biblical and wrong. Any redeemer other right. than Christ, Mary, ourselves, our the pastor, saints, anybody, the saints, the Pope, that's heretical. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, that's not solus Christus, not Christ alone. Scripture clearly teaches Christ is our only mediator, our only redeemer. So yes, heretical. Okay. Next factor fiction that Adam brought up in his point was mm -hmm. purgatory. Do Catholics believe that you can pray or pay your way out of purgatory or for other people um, that die and are in purgatory and doing things to get out of it and think that you're in this limbo after you die? Okay. Is that problematic and why? We're going to probably agree on this. I don't want to see what Aaron has to say. Cause I... well, go ahead. Give me, give, me, give me some background of what's wrong with that, why. Um, that never in scripture will you find that between death and the judgment, there's an in-between period where someone is trying to further grow in holiness in order to gain entrance into heaven. Never. And you you could trace this back into, th this might get into murky waters, but I can do this in a minute or so. So Dante 
in his divine comedy did not intend to write official canonical statements regarding what the church believes. He wrote a story, almost an allegory, about his so own life. Sorry? That, that type wow, of writing is so goodness. problematic. Wrong! See our other episode on that. <laughs> goodness. Uh, he, he intended to work out some of his own angst and his right. own thinking because he fell in love when he was nine years old with a woman named Beatrix or young girl named Beatrix who was also nine. Um, he didn't see her for 10 years. Uh, they then saw each other again. Uh, he's still in love with her. She was not. She married someone else and died when she was 21. He then writes the Divine Comedy. And when it gets to um, Dante's Inferno, the part of the comedy where he's being um, tour guided through heaven and hell, Beatrix is his guide through heaven. And he kind of portrays this in-between period where there might be a chance where somebody who didn't believe in Christ in life could, after life, grow in holiness and righteousness enough to be granted entrance into heaven. And Beatrix is explaining this to him. This is his own issues working himself out. Hundreds of years later, you find Roman Catholic authorities taking up Dante and almost officially but unofficially canonizing him and saying things like, what Dante said is true. Um, that really happens. And here's a bunch of other traditional documents that teach it as well, which is why the modern day Da Vinci Code movies and books are so horrible because they follow in the same vein. And uh, that, I mean, we, we could go on and on and on, but n never in scripture do you find this in-between period where somebody can get entrance into heaven that they didn't get in life. Samesies? Yeah, I was there. So, was Aaron, first, <laughs> first, not necessarily fact or fiction, do they believe it, but do you have any other thoughts on purgatory? Is Do you find any evidence in the Bible for it at something like that? Well, you do in the apocryphal books, oh, which okay. is why it's ask? problematic. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, pro that's yeah. one of the reasons it's problematic is this idea of I can, the additional ca I can cast off Christ in, yeah. in this life. Just or in case least, people don't know definitions. Yes, yeah, okay. Just, yes, the, the additional, those intertestamental between right. Malachi and Matthew books. Yeah. Um, but this idea of I can cast off Christ or not take him seriously in this life because then I'm yeah. going to have this, this ability to work off. There's no mm -hmm. hope outside of this life. Um, it's the, This life is the testing ground where we exercise faith in Christ and we're united to him or divorced from him, mm -hmm. period. And there's nothing that comes next. This is what made Rob Bell just a, a decade ago so dangerous. And what is almost making Francis Chan now a little dangerous, uh, they're, they're, sadly. I haven't heard this one. So. What? What do you? What, I, might, I might have I missed what you were one. saying. Makes him so maybe dangerous. that's for another podcast. Yeah, but what were you saying? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Rod, Rod Bell. Rod Bell kind of introduced in in his Love Wins book this concept of after death, those who it's it was very it's universalistic, but but those who didn't trust Christ in this life, maybe they trusted in, in Gandhi or and okay. and whoever, but now they're they're introduced to okay, Gandhi really is Jesus, or really right. so there's this universal Christ. Wait, Richard Rohr's almost, almost like Emmett. In the last battle, the Tash worshiper who gets to the new Narnia. <laughs> that, that, Why that, is that there? Yeah, okay. Adam, <laughs> Adam, Adam is oh, that, that troubles me greatly. But anyway, <laughs> that, that, that's 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 the issue that exists here is this idea of after this life, I'll have another chance, which yeah. is just nowhere biblical at all. And and so that so I guess that would be another kind of offshoot question is so if you maybe they don't read or study them anyways, but these additional books, if they do believe mm. what they say and are, are taking their theology and doctrine from that, you would say that it's problematic, right? Their, their final, I mean, like, okay, the apocryphal books, like they've been demonized in Protestantism. They're, they're 
They're historical books. They're very helpful. They're historically. Helpful. Like, right. What happened during the time of silence? Read the book. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're historical, but but we yeah. would take them as any history book, as any non-inspired historical book, yeah. that there could be errors in them. We don't yeah. believe that they're canonical. I have not read them. So my question would be, are they like somebody writing a book about what they believe the Bible says, or is it more like a biblical type writing? It it's like historical like a, writings okay. and fantastical. You're saying it's, like the biblical it's, type it's, writing. But it's almost presented as if there are chapter and verses right, okay. in it. Interesting. For okay. certain. All right. Next one. Deshaun, you can start. Fact or fiction. Do they believe that every pope is infallible? And what he says is Bible. That's what I was about to hear. So it's kind of. Okay. So it's there not. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Let me explain. Let me explain. No, no, no. But we may just still disagree. So it's not at all times, but it's when he f- speaks officially for the church okay. of any church doctrine, he is infallible in that moment. And so for all intents and purposes, he is, but not at all times when he's just hanging out talking. But yeah. when he's speaking on behalf of the church, they do. As invaluable. R.C. Sproul contended in his life the Catholic Church has not done. I mean, he was he was radically Protestant. Okay, mm-hmm. he, he was not Roman Catholic in any way, but he said the Roman Catholic Church has not done a good enough job of of truly deciphering and declaring what the ultimate authority is. That there have been pockets, there have been statements made here and there, mm-hmm. and then refuted. And so there needs to be, which I mean, the argument made for Protestantism too on some things, but there needs to be an official. Is the Pope? a higher authority than scripture? Um, is the Pope infallible? Um, because if he's infallible and scripture's infallible and they refute one another, Who's right. Right. somebody's yeah. fallible here. Which has mm-hmm. happened. So, yes. Yeah. So. Any additional thoughts? Same as I think that's okay. very nuanced and helpful. I think the term is when the spoke, when the spoke, when the Pope ex-cath- speaks yeah. ex cathedra yeah. is when he is considered to be infallible. And the problem is popes have contradicted each other. Yeah. yeah. So you have an issue. Any other differences? That's all the fact or fiction I have from Adam's last answer. Any other differences you want to talk about? Aaron, would you like to yeah, throw I mean, one? I think the sacraments are are a, a, a pretty big one. I mean, we obviously, I think, I think that the Protestants in general, in a negative reaction to uh, the Dark Ages and the and the power and greed of the Roman Catholic Church, have lessened the weight and gravity of some things that should have been held as uh, in, in high gravity, like the ordinances or the sacraments. Um, however, we do not believe that they um, bring, once again, they're not instrumental in bringing us salvation. It is not faith plus sacraments equal justification. It is faith equals justification, but the sacraments should always follow. It's one of the hallmarks of the church. Like if, if yeah. this whole, mm-hmm. like if two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst and that's a church. That's not biblical at all. It's it's where there's leadership, where there are elders in place, bishops, pastors, whatever you want to call them. And the church is worshiping and the church is taking communion together, so, practicing the ordinances mm-hmm. together. And baptism is one of those. And so um, Protestants have almost dismissed, I think at times, like, yeah. ah, like we'll take, we'll take communion when it's convenient mm-hmm. or like well, we'll, mid-service we'll, snack. Yeah. Like, well, and, and instead of, instead Wrong. of, it, it should hold this gravity in place. Mm-hmm. Like you saw that even with the reformers where uh, their writing is almost like communion, the Lord's supper, baptism is salvific, even though they didn't believe that because they held such a weight and, and mm-hmm. honor for the sacraments. Um, that this is a time of communion with Christ, that it can almost be like you read it and you're like, well, I need to read that again. And it's so different than how so many Protestants stay. And so I think that's very important that as Protestants, we ought to elevate the sacraments again to this place of honor and and gravitas, but it, they're not saving. Like they are not instrumental in our salvation. And what do they yeah. believe about the about communion? 
that um, when the priest utters his hoc est corpus merum phrase, that you the, got the Latin rolling today, bro. That the uh, <laughs> that the bread actually becomes the body of Christ. Right. The wine actually becomes the blood of Christ, which uh, is what we call transubstantiation. That's what they've called it. Uh, the reformers reacted against this. Uh, this is actually the commoner in the pew, the lay people, the church member, heard hocus corpus merum so much. This is actually where the word hocus pocus was invented. Hmm. Uh, that's what they heard coming from the front. Um, and they were not even allowed to partake of it. Only the priests were. And so I would argue that one of the biggest differences in the recoveries in the Reformation is worship and the proper restoration of a right worship of God, God's people being involved in it and participating in it. And, um, but yeah, that so, was So that. what do they believe? They believe it's actually the body and the blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else that he is crucified again, that yeah. he is dying for your sins yeah. again. And so I, know, like, I, know, I know I've taken a lot of heat yeah. today and people have laughed at me, but I think it is very important that there are very prominent, and I would actually argue much of the Roman Catholic Church today does not any longer believe in transubstantiation. There's been statements made that when, when the bre- body and blood are taken, that Christ is objectively with you, but it's not become the physical body and blood. I do not have the resources, but we can put them in the podcast notes on this, where there have been statements made that that transubstantiation... And submit a supplemental that, brief after Just to be clear, <laughs> they still believe it is salvific, much of the Roman Catholic Church, yeah. Yeah. saving, but they don't believe that it physically becomes the, the body and blood. I think the idea of an objective understanding, we got into this in the Harry Potter episode last season, but that Christ is with us, Protestants need to recover that because there's kind yeah. of this idea of- He's present. Oh, he's kind of here. Present. No, he's objectively here. Like yeah. he's, he's yeah. here with us, even though we can't see him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I, I don't know if I'm there until <laughs> 1992 has changed. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, okay. So to kind of- Sum it up. Aaron mentioned in another podcast that when we talked about Christian school, homeschool, and public school, that mm. it is better, and he did this at the end without much time for discussion as I'm doing the same thing, it is better for a child to go to public school or homeschool or whatever and get no spiritual teaching rather than a soft gospel type of Christian school that may lead them astray Yes, and make them think they're Christians when they're not. Is that similar to the Catholic Church? Is that a similar argument? Is better not to go to church at all than to learn what they're teaching? Aaron, let's start with you on this. Would you consider it a soft gospel or just a wrong gospel? No, like MacArthur consider- says, it's a cult heresy leading Let's people see. off To be clear, cliff. for all the banter today and all of my trying to show grace and compassion toward Roman Catholics, if they're believing what the Vatican teaches, that's a heretical gospel. Like that's 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 an error. That's not the gospel of Jesus. That's the gospel of Paul condemns Galatians 1. However, I do know there are many that m- many churches supposedly, I've talked to people who go to them, uh, I've talked to a couple of priests that believe in, in the final authority of scripture, the primary authority of scripture that believe in salvation by grace alone through faith alone. They might be off on some, obviously some issues that I would disagree with them on. And so it really depends on the church. And I hate to be ambiguous on that, but if you're part of a, a traditional, historic, Latin, Roman Catholic church that is teaching meritorious salvation, you need to divorce that. You need to be out of that. If you're part of a church, a Roman Catholic church, that is maybe often a couple of things, but when it comes to justification by faith, the primary authority of scripture, the the singular redeemer that is Christ, then I think that that is better than not being in church at all. It's a false gospel that was reformed for a reason. Which, which one? Which one's false? Rome. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that is ever... Uh, in ever need of continuing to be reformed today. 
We're, we, we are still reforming as Protestants. We're still protesting that, for we're sure. We're still protesting. Yeah. I mean, they've already answered it. So I, I'll throw in one thing as we're finishing up, encouraging people to spend time reading church history. Mm. And even if you're not a big reader, this great podcast like Steve Lawson has one on five minutes in church history mm. where he gives good snippets. Stephen Nichols. Is that Lawson? No. No, you are right. Yeah, there yes. you go. My apologies. He caught me on that one. Um, but in, in that, his right, podcast man. is helpful. And for us, just as believers, because one of the things that, even though I don't believe what they be- believe, but one thing I do appreciate is that we do share a lot of the same history. And so it's able to go back and see how these things have been developing, these arguments, even the things that we've agreed upon, um, and just being able to appreciate what God has done through time. And so mm. just, yeah, so encouraging people to go back and yeah, so read we, I mean, and we all agree. So there are some Catholics that are Christians, some Catholics that aren't, just like every other denomination. But I think we would also all encourage them to read the Bible. Yeah. And that's a really important aspect of your relationship with Christ. And you can learn so much and make sure you're not being led astray by anybody else if you're reading God's words yourself, right? And one of the biggest problematic things to me that we just kind of touched on is like, if literally if the Pope says something opposite to the Bible, they it seems like they go with the Pope, mm-hmm. most of them. And that's really problematic. And that's a that's a miss. <laughs> by, by the way, I just want to throw something out there. Um, one of the one of the resources, probably the most valuable resource I went back over, having read it a couple of years ago, a book called Are We Together by R.C. Sproul. I would recommend that to any oh, readers. Helpful. It only ta- it would only take you a few hours. Give us I mean, a snip of, a of kind of just to sum up the well, podcast, ba- give us a snip of what he said. Basically what he does is he takes 1992, um, the, the Catholic catechism, and then he takes um, the, the early 90s and then even since that point in time of evangelicals, and, uh, Protestants and Catholics working together. Mm-hmm. And he talks about that this is very good in some realms, um, when, it, when we're marching for life, okay, like we're, we're marching anti-abortion, that he says we can even march with Muslims. Like, who cares? Like, we're marching for, even if we have um, this differences. But when it comes to gospel work being done, we have to be united on the gospel. Yeah. And that, so then he takes from chapter two through seven or eight, and every chapter just picks apart these differences. Uh, and he starts with the, the scripture and moves to uh, sola fide and, and talks about Mary and talks about... Uh, the sacraments and all these different things that we have addressed today. It's just very, very helpful. One of the most helpful things, if I'm honest, and, and hopefully this helps our listeners, is he says, on the objective plane of Christianity, Catholics and Protestants are in complete agreement. And that's where the confusion lies. So Catholics and Protestants both believe in the deity of Jesus, the triune God, the, the substitutionary death of Jesus, the imputation of our sin to Jesus. Now, not the imputation back of his righteousness to us, right. the resurrection of Jesus. And no other religion in the world believes all these things. So Catholics and Protestants are so alike on that objective. He says the subjective side or the application side, how is the gospel applied is where Catholics and Protestants diverge. And how, how do we receive justification? That's where the, most of the issues rise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Anyway, I, I know there's there's even on the idea once again we've talked about with the redemption of Christ and some things like that, there's disagreement. But I think that's important. Really it comes down to this idea of how are we saved? Mm. Um, how do we receive grace? Which I think is why it's an individual relationship, right? And and you individually have to check yourself and see if you're saved just because you're a Catholic or a Protestant doesn't make you a Christian. Definitely. Right? I think that's one of the important takeaways because I do think there I know in certain religious realms that I won't mention. If you're born into it, you're good. Like you're, you're good. You're going to heaven and everybody's going to be like you in heaven. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was fun, man. That was interesting. 
I'm good. sure everybody's going to just love and agree with us. Honestly, as we were talking, I'm like, there's like 12 other things I want to yeah. talk about right now. There's, <laughs> right? there's right? so much here. I mean, Deshaun, Deshaun touched on it, but we have this ancient, beautiful faith. I mean, yeah. the the... The, the, uh, the idea yeah. of that really Constantine introduced of these cathedrals and church buildings was supposed to portray physically the beauty that is non-physical of the church. Like that it's and and we've taken that for granted. We have all these modern buildings, which we have one here. Would you wear a t-shirt and jeans if you were preaching in one of those buildings? No, I wouldn't, because I believe in appropriateness. <laughs> 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 um but there, there, <laughs> there is something to be said there. You know, here's one. I'll finish with this. When we were in St. Augustine, we went over to St. Augustine on the other side of Florida, and they have the big, um, what is that there? The Abbey or whatever it is. The, 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 yeah. the cathedral there in and town. That's what, yeah. Around St. George. And we went into it, and we walked up to the front. And this is absolutely beautiful. And, you know, cathedrals are shaped the the are in the shape of the cross. That's why they you go up and it branches mm-hmm. off, and they were designed that way. And up at the very front, there's a crucifix of Jesus, and then there's this cord spread across with a sign on the cord that says, no access beyond this point. And it reminded me of the beauty of our Protestant faith in that Christ has actually removed that restriction from us. So we have direct mm-hmm. access in. That's beautiful. Um, and so that's another thing. We talked about the priesthood of the believer. That's another d- distinction here mm-hmm. that anybody listening today, Catholic who's truly trusted in Christ, Protestant trusted in Christ, like... Anyone who is truly by faith alone, trusting in Christ alone for salvation, does not need to go through a pastor, a priest, a pope. They have direct access to the Father through Christ. And that's mm-hmm. something that the Roman Catholic Church, at least historically, has not taught either. Yeah. Um, we, d- we don't need to go to anyone to confess our sins. We can go for accountability, but we can go directly to Christ. We should go directly to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's much beauty there that is very biblical. And we didn't have time to unpack a ton of scripture today, um, but I would encourage anybody who's listening or watching to write in with questions biblically for substantiation there. Eventually, we're going to do a question and answer show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. awesome. Eventually, that'd be awesome. Boogie, thanks for being on, man. Thank you guys for thank you guys for having me. Superpowers, good to be here. You were a little below super today, man. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking. Awesome having you, man. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.